This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Well, we've got a few things on this program. Of course, the news that Jeff Scott is out as football coach of the USF Bulls after Saturday's game. You could kind of sense it coming, not just the actual outcome and the performance on the field, but really the tone of Coach Scott afterwards. You'll hear what I'm talking about here in this first segment. But we don't just do football here, and man has the men's soccer team given us plenty to give you on Bulls Beat and on Bulls Unlimited, and it continued on Sunday night with a big win in the AAC tournament. Not only plenty of highlights coming up here shortly, but some post-game comments and the latest news as far as the NCAA tournament projection for the Bulls. It is really exciting stuff. Volleyball gave us a thrill on Friday night and really performed pretty well on Sunday. Both matches at the Yingling Center did not win Sunday, but did win, fighting off four match points on Friday night. You'll hear some of those highlights. And, oh yeah, we've got a women's and men's basketball doubleheader tonight live on USF Bulls Unlimited starting at 5.15 with our pregame coverage. We will give you a little preview of that later on. Of course, we'll tell you about the number one story, and it's something that you could not have been surprised about after what happened on Saturday, the 54-28 to loss at Temple where the Bulls simply could not stop the Temple Owls, a team that was getting better offensively but still not one that you can allow 54 points to and 621 yards to and a 265-yard three rushing touchdown day to a running back who had never rushed for more than 69 yards in a game, but that's exactly what the Bulls did. E.J. Warner, the Temple quarterback, and of course freshman son of Kurt Warner, 27 of 36 for 344 yards. And even though the Bulls' offense had its fun moments, Brian Batty ran for 129 yards in the game, Trey Marsh threw for three touchdown passes, Bulls nearly had 500 yards of offense when your defense cannot get off the field at all that's going to be an issue Bulls were holding Temple to field goals early but this was a good example and you probably know Bob Shoup the defensive coordinator also let go of a defense that just needs to make a play team is up seven to three at this time Temple is basically handing the Bulls the ball at midfield except they couldn't get the tackle in the backfield twice fourth and two from the Bulls 47 Warner flares it out to the right. It is caught, missed tackle, another missed tackle, and a first down. Yeah, you just got to have those plays. I mean, those are the type of plays that defensive players salivate on. And it's all about the angle. You always have to approach the inside hip. Why am I playing that highlight again? Temple would go on to be held to a field goal, so no big deal, right? But, yeah, the Bulls should have the ball at midfield there. That was their, as it turned out, best chance to not allow a Temple score. Actually, there was one other good chance. It was after the Bulls had cut the game to 33-28, and Temple, which had some serious issues with penalties, committed two straight false starts, and it was first and 20. Well, four more of those, and they'll have a safety. (laughs) First and 20. This time they get the playoff. It's a screen pass. Caught by Sadie, gets to the 20, 25, 30, into the open field, into USF territory, going down the sideline, and he will get inside the Bulls' 25-yard line. Simple screen pass on first and long. Again, the game is very much in reach at that point at 33-28. 
but that play right there sparked a quick span of three touchdowns that would end the third quarter. Temple would score two plays into the fourth quarter. The Bulls, you know, having to score every time and then some get a stop, which as we know didn't happen, would fumble on a bad exchange between Trey Marsh and the running back. And just a few plays later from the Bulls' 44, Temple would cruise on into the end zone, another fumble on a nice strip play on the sideline, and then three plays later, it was 54-28. to 28. And you knew it was over, and you had a feeling it was over for Jeff Scott. Bob Shoup also let go. When Coach Scott is given the chance to be optimistic with the question, he's always going to go for it. But in his post-game interview with Joey Johnston, as I noted at the time, I'd never heard Coach sound so dejected, maybe defeated, and maybe knowing what was coming. Here's how that post-game interview heard live on USF Bulls Unlimited went right after the game. Let's get down on the field. Joey has Jeff Scott. Jeff, you had some close ones this year. This was not that. What are your thoughts on how it got away in the second half? Uh, at the end of the day, it's on me as the head coach. Uh, obviously, I didn't have our guys ready to play. Uh, I thought that uh, we'd come out and play well today, and we didn't. So at the end of the day, it falls on my shoulders. We all knew what an opportunity this was. How do you keep from disappointment turning into discouragement at this yeah, point? It's hard. It's hard. Uh, this, we've been, been through a lot, and um, you know, not to play well today is, is going to make it more difficult, but there's no other option to keep moving forward. Your offense continued to show some signs. I mean, that's got to be the bright spot today for you, right? Yeah, you know, offense did some good things, moved it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a team sport, and uh, we didn't do well enough in all three phases. Thanks, Coach Scott. Sam and Jim, back to you. I don't know if you caught that, but I think the way that Joey said thanks, Coach Scott, he probably knew that that was that. Even in the postgame, almost to the point of overdoing it, Coach was taking the blame for everything, including the defensive performance, which I thought was interesting. Let's give you that exchange because I think he also knew that Bob Shoup was in jeopardy of losing his job and maybe he could fall on the sword for him. So let's give you that exchange from the post-game media Zoom call, which we again carried live in our post-game show. Yeah, uh, worst performance defensively that I can remember since I've been here. It's frustrating to have uh, late in my uh, third season for sure. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that it's my fault. It's my fault as a head coach uh, to make sure our defense plays uh, better. It's my fault as a head coach to make sure our guys tackle with uh, fundamentals. It's my, fault. it's my fault as a head coach to make sure our guys are in position where they need to be. And uh, we weren't anywhere close. And so, again, uh, defense performance is, is uh, my responsibility and uh, not even close today. Is this, is this rock bottom? Uh, yeah, I would probably say so in year three, you know, year one and year two, when this happens, um, you know, kind of permanent to be a part of the, the building process and, and year three to, to be where we are right now. Uh, it's very frustrating and uh, don't really uh, know why. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely would say uh, since I've been here, this is uh, as long as we've been. One in 26, as you know, the record against FBS opponents, and that is not going to get it done. As Michael Kelly said, while he did so many things right, pointing to the improvement of the culture and engagement with the community, and of course getting us set for the indoor performance facility, which ironically is going to be set to open for some work on Tuesday, Michael Kelly said the on-the-field results fell well below our standards. If you go to GoUSFBulls.com, really some gracious comments from Coach Scott, including saying he would do anything and he will do anything in his power to help his players in the future if they need it, but he is not going to be doing it any longer as the head coach 
of the Bulls. Now, was it all his fault? I would say no, because there are certain areas of the team that he inherited position group-wise that were very thin and still need big-time improvement. It's not an easy job, but it's going to be one that I think is very much held highly in interest, and we'll follow that for you on USF Bulls Unlimited and on Bulls Beat. What's going to happen this week as far as the football radio show? We usually have a press conference for you live on Tuesday. I'm going to guess things change around. We'll keep you updated on that. Follow me on Twitter at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P for anything along those lines. And what will happen on the field? Daniel DePrado has been the special teams coordinator, will serve as the interim head coach. Ernie Sims, who has been the linebackers coach and was co-DC with Bob Shoup, will now be the defensive coordinator for these last few games. Oh, by the way, speaking of defensive coordinating, did you see what this week's opponent did on Saturday night? SMU, Tanner Mordecai, nine touchdown passes in a 77-63 win against Houston. The highest scoring FBS game, non-overtime variety in history. So we'll talk more about that later in the week. We'll give you obviously a full preview tonight on the Bulls opponents and much more on the Bulls themselves. Thumbnail version here, women playing Moorhead State at 5.30. It's at the Yingling Center. If you can't make it there, we'll be on the air at 5.15. Frankly, Moorhead State, a team that the Bulls you'd expect to handle. Last year, the Eagles, well, they went 1-27, but they only have one player back from that team, a totally new roster. The Bulls have not a totally new roster, but as you know, did lose their point guard, Elisa Pinzon, and one of their top all-time three-point shooters, Sydney Harvey. They transferred to Maryland and Belmont, respectively. But Ariel Wilson looks like she's going to be the point guard. You've got a couple of freshmen from Europe that could also field that spot, Maria Asensio and Jeanette Arneo. Of course, the offense is probably going to filter through Elena Janecki, but I think Dulce Fanka-Mengiato at center is poised for a big year. Get excited about some of these transfer shooters. Sammy Puises from Florida State, Priscilla Williams from Syracuse, Emma Johansson, who is a six-foot-three backup center. She can also step out. Carla Brito, I think, is going to play the four, but she can do everything. Danny, Daniela Gonzalez, a transfer, is very talented. They've got a lot on this team. And again, you'll get to hear them tonight. As far as the men go, first of all, thank you to Jim Lighthall for getting up early on a Saturday, along with Brian Gregory, to record a new Brian Gregory show. We've been playing that throughout the weekend, but you'll get to hear that, I'm sure, a couple more times before we go on the air tonight. You saw the transfers against UT all in the starting lineup, namely Tyler Harris, Selton Miguel, and Keyshawn Bryant. Also with plenty of new faces, and that's Kind of a theme in college basketball, if you didn't figure it out, is Southeast Missouri. Ten newcomers on their roster. A couple of seven-foot centers joining the team, although one is not yet eligible due to NCAA regulations. SEMO, Southeast Missouri, the Red Hawks went 8-9 and nine in a fairly competitive Ohio Valley Conference last year, 14-18. and 18 overall and again that broadcast will begin right after we sign off the air now i know the schedule says 5 30 and 8 as far as the tip-off times if you do the math that might be a tight squeeze i can tell you if you're going there will be at least 30 minutes between games so it will probably not tip off until i don't know 8 15 or so either way we'll go right from the women's basketball broadcast to the men's basketball pregame yours truly with bridget Miranda together for a sixth season in the former case and jim lighthall and joey johnson back on the men's side. And we love bringing you volleyball this weekend. Here's the extended call of the Bulls fighting off 
Four match points. They played Memphis on Friday night at the Yingling Center. Great crowd. And it was a repeat of the first meeting between the teams. Memphis took the first set, USF the second. Repeat in third and fourth. This was a little different as the Bulls destroyed Memphis in the fourth as they were up 10-1 and 22-9. But after taking a 9-7 lead in the fifth, the Tigers got a couple blocks back-to-back, and they were celebrating like they had won it at 13-10. Remember that line as we bring you the end of the match. Laughlin going along with it. Service error as set up three Memphis match points. Service errors killing the Bulls. Three of them in this set since they took a 7-5 lead. Looked like it wasn't going to be an issue, but it has become one. Pass a good serve, Marta. Clawson has to pass it to DeWitt. Tipped at the net. Memphis is going to go middle, and Clawson keeps it alive. Push back over onto Memphis' side. And the Tigers were in the net, 14 to 12. So first match point staved off. And two times staved off is ever used is for match points and for elimination. Marta's serve just skates over the net. Go right side to Tate, she's able to regather her feet and it's nice to see the other team commit an error. 14-13. Remember the first meeting went five sets and the final was Memphis 15-13 in the fifth. All right, Marta Svikovic ready to serve for the Bulls. They've managed to overcome two set points against. And it's 14-13 now. It's a good one, but it's passed nicely by Crescenzo. Right side to Tate. She has to regather herself, ticks the tape. Klaus unable to adjust. The dig, Olaflin to Marta and blocked down, but Clawson was ready for it that time. Olaflin again to Maria, and it's through the block, and we're tied. Boy, it looked like Memphis was going to end it with a block, but CC Clawson reflexes, was able to get underneath it. And it's 14 apiece, Maria Andrade with the kill. Marta Svitkovic continuing to serve. Another good one, Crescenzo, nice pass. They're going to go back row to Crescenzo. Clawson, easy dig, steers it to Olafson. Left side, Maria again blocked down, but the Bulls keep it alive. Do it. Can Shaw get it over? Oh, she did, but Smith was there to get in her path. And again, Memphis celebrating like it's won the match, like it did when it was 13 to 10. It's 15 to 14. That was a good effort by the Bulls. Shaw had to get it over and really couldn't turn around and see where she was going to put the ball, and Smith was ready for it. So Memphis, another set match point, I should say. O'Loughlin to DeWitt, dug up and out, and it's tied up. Over there to the ESPN Plus booth with Ryan Urquhart. Amanda DeWitt, love to tell you how many kills she has, but again, the, the stat service has sputtered out. It did not expect to have a five-setter, but we can tell you all that matters is it's 15 apiece. And Asante with the serve, goes low with it, Crescenzo. They're gonna set her again on the left side and it's blocked, but the Tigers get it back. They're gonna push it over, free ball for the Bulls. Marta has to go low, Olaf on left side of Maria, falling backwards, is blocked out of bounds and the Bulls take the lead, 16 to 15. Down three match points in a fourth. Leads to this opportunity. Crowd is on its feet. So is play-by-play -play an answer. Freshman, Emma Santi to serve, takes a couple extra bounces. 
16-15 Bulls. It's going wide, but Crescenzo plays it. They're going to go back to her. That's a lollipop. Here's a chance for the Bulls. Santi to O'Loughlin for the win. Amanda DeWitt. And the Bulls win it. Memphis had a chance at two digs. That's what you get for celebrating like you've won when you haven't won. The Bulls are the ones celebrating the victory. 17-15 in the fifth set. Amanda DeWitt gets it done. I definitely want to give you some final numbers, so I'm going to see if I can run down and get them because our stat service is, you know, done for the night. So are the Memphis Tigers. That was fun. Sunday was not as fun, even though it was very entertaining. The Mustangs of SMU, while Memphis was the fourth-best team in the conference, the Bulls got the win against them. The third-best team was SMU, and really the Bulls had a chance, a great chance, to win the second and the third sets after being down by five points in each. They took a 24-23 lead in the second with a 4-0 run. Unfortunately, service error and then two first hit errors. Basically, after falling behind, SMU did not have to touch the ball and still won the set 26-24. Then in the third, it really looked like the Mustangs were going to put them away, and the Bulls took a 21-20 lead. Again, a service error led to their downfall. But Amanda DeWitt, a career high in kills in the win against Memphis, Yasmin Shaw, the 6'3 middle blocker from Brazil, getting some more time this week. It was pretty encouraging, and we'll talk more about volleyball heading into Wednesday's match against UCF. That'll wrap up this part of Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page.